This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, Jamie here. I'm on the podcast today chatting with Erica from Ambitiously Crony on Instagram. I'm super excited to chat with her. She's one of our Chronic Hope ambassadors. She has a lot to share around the issue of living with a chronic condition, working with a chronic condition, and I'm so excited to share with you guys. Stay tuned. Hi, Erica. How's, how are you? How's your week going? Hi, my week was great. Um, yesterday, I actually hung out with some friends. We went out to a park. We had like a little picnic um, because oh. I had a day off work. So it was Monday. We had the day off work and we just went to a park, had some food, did a picnic thing. It was great. It was like by the lake. So it was very relaxing. I really, really needed that. Spoonie friendly picnic. Yes. <laughs> So we just ordered food from somewhere. I didn't want to be in a restaurant. And I told them before, like I texted them and I was like, hey, I'm still not comfortable with COVID and everything. I don't want to be in a restaurant. So they're like, hey, let's go to the lake. Let's do a picnic. We'll just pick up food from somewhere. And it was the best. (laughs) I actually love that because um, that's that's totally a struggle with when you have like a chronic illness as a spoonie, like making sure, communicating to your friends and family, like this is what I need. And, and what's cool to hear, it sounds like they were like totally accommodating and they were totally fine with. Yeah, because I texted them and I was like, Hey guys, like it's been months that I've been to a restaurant. Like, I don't even know what's out there anymore. I don't know what's good. So I was like, if you guys have suggestions or like things that we can do. And they were just so helpful. And they were like, let's go here. How about this? Or how about that? And I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful for you guys. (laughs) Oh, I love that. How are how's symptoms this week? Good week, bad week, average? Um, yesterday was good. Today, not so much. So I just had some peppermint tea with maple syrup because my stomach was acting up a little bit. I laid down, took a nap. So I've been taking it easy today because it's been a bit rough. But yesterday was good. <laughs> it's just good. every day is different. I love that you drink peppermint tea because that's definitely my go-to when I have a stomach flare-up. I have two peppermint tea bags in my work bag that I'm gonna probably have today um, because my tummy is not doing so great um yesterday I actually went to the physio I haven't been to the physio in a while like properly because I have um chronic pain like all over issues with my body like ankles knees hamstrings neck back shoulders etc and so I'm on this new like treatment plan which is yeah. really good. Um, so I'm like this week, I'm so motivated to get things back in order with my body. Like my movement has been off and um, I'll post a little bit more about it on like Instagram and stuff. But nice. do you know when you see like a health professional and you just feel so motivated after seeing them? Yes. And it's like, you're like, I'm not sure that you're doing anything better than the next guy the next physio or the next health professional but like I feel motivated after I see you and that's half of it right yes my doctors like that as well every time I leave he's like okay so we're gonna try this we're gonna do this and next time we're gonna do this other thing like there's a plan and I'm like okay I like this it's just that's what you need though 
And it's like steps, right? He did this whole thing he wrote out. He's like, this is what we're gonna do. This is what it's gonna look like. And I keep telling him to give me more exercises and like push me a bit harder. And he's like, no, Jamie, you need to chill. <laughs> do you get that one too? It's like no. typical. Yeah, oh, really? but I mean, I know I, I would probably be the same where I'm like, I want to start doing the next thing, you know, kind of like, because I'm very much like that where I'm like, if we can keep going and we can keep getting better, like for sure, I want to, you know, keep going yeah. with the treatment and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same, but then they're like, okay, we're going to go slow so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Because typical like type A spooning mm-hmm. <laughs> wants to overdo it over here. um I will I okay this is my one of my favorite parts of this show because we get to talk about your pet peeve (laughs) so ever (laughs) it's like it's low-key like an opportunity to um like I don't want to make this negative but I love just like hearing what annoys people because it's different for everyone so question of the hour what is your pet peeve Okay, so this is really weird. So my dad and my niece do this thing where every time they heat up food in the microwave, you know, like they open the door and then they just get their food and leave it open. And like, they leave it open? Yes. <laughs> like what, what is so hard about closing that door? I don't understand. And so I'll go, into, I'll go into the kitchen, get a snack and I just see the microwave door open and I'm like, this makes absolute, it drives me insane. It makes no sense. Have you told them? Yes. And they still do. (laughs) Like, can we just close the door, please? That's so, that's so funny. And it's one of those things, like, it doesn't annoy other people. I, I have probably a lot of pet peeves, but that reminds me of one where when I was living with my parents, my mom never, like, coiled up the vacuum cord when she was done vacuuming she would always just like put it back in the closet without and just like leave it in a heap on the ground and I'd be like mom you need to coil the vacuum (laughs) she's like doesn't matter like no it does I can't handle it and I've moved out and she sent me a message like not long ago with a photo of the vacuum with it coiled and she's like look Jamie I coiled the vacuum (laughs) cord Makes my heart happy. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that pet peeve. Um, <laughs> so the topic for today is is essentially um, what it's like working. How to how to op- how to be your best person. How to live your best life at work with a chronic illness. And uh, I love this topic because it's something I kind of dealt with when I had chronic fatigue syndrome I probably didn't deal with it as well as you did um so I just kind of want to and like there's so many people how do you navigate that how do you like when is the right time to tell your boss that you have chronic illness how do you advocate for yourself how do you say no how do you take breaks etc etc um so I'd love to get into that and I guess my first sort of topic that I want to talk about is um, kind of the biggest challenge that comes with working with a chronic illness. Um, And I'm keen to hear your perspective on like, at least for you, and maybe on a more global level, what do you what do you think that challenges and, and how can we maybe start to overcome that? 
I think the biggest challenge is telling um, your employers, your supervisors, and letting other people know. I think we're so good at hiding our illness sometimes, and we're so good at, you know, we want to just be like every other um, employee in there. We don't really want to stand out, at least not in that way where it's like, oh, I have an illness. So you have to kind of, you know, be kind of extra patient with me. And it's hard to have that conversation where you have to tell your employer, like, you know, I have a chronic illness, so I do yeah. have to leave early sometimes. I do have doctor's appointments. Um, and it's it, it can be very difficult to start that conversation. So I think that's the biggest challenge is starting that conversation for sure. So you're a teacher. Yes. Um, you teach third grade, which in America, what age group is that? So that about eight, nine years old. Okay. So how long have you been working at the school that, or working as a teacher? Um, as a teacher, five years at the same school that I'm at now, four years. So they know okay. me pretty well. <laughs> and did you have chronic illness when you started working there? No, I didn't. I was actually working with them while I was in the process of getting diagnosed. Okay, wow. So what was that, I guess, what was that like for you kind of navigating that in while you were dealing did you have to take a lot of days off work did people notice what kind of what was that like yes I did take a lot of days off work I would go to the doctors constantly because it was when I was trying to figure out what was going on and I asked for a lot of early days off and they would just ask and I would just say there's something wrong I'm really not sure I'm trying to figure it out I would go for ultrasounds and just trying to explain to uh, my primary care physician, like there's something going on with me. Um, and it was just a lot of, I think that year, it's such a blur for me. I don't even remember it because I yeah. was just so in so much pain and just trying to get through it and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but luckily I had um, a principal and an assistant principal and they were so um, understanding and they would let me go early and my coworkers would cover, like if I had to do dismissal, they would cover for me. So I was very lucky to yeah. have people that were supportive and were like, yeah, go to the doctors, go and figure out what's going on. That's interesting. So, cause it's like, they knew you before and yes. then it kind of evolved into, so it's almost like you cut, they were kind of in on that journey with you. Is that they really were? Yeah. So, and did you feel supported by your workplace? I did. I did. Like I didn't have um, any issues. I think what I was struggling with is I like to be a very good employee. Like I yeah. give my everything to my students. I want to be there for them. And I think what was um, affecting me the most is that I couldn't be there for them in the way that I wanted to. Like I knew I wasn't giving a hundred percent to my job because something was wrong with my health. And so I think that was my biggest struggle during that time. Yeah, I totally. I can relate with that because it's like, at least for me, when I was working, it was like, you know, that were you well, your capacity would be here and you would be able to perform at this level. But in sickness, it's like you're, you have maybe like 30 to 40 to 50% less productivity. Yeah. And that's something that I struggled with as well. Cause it's like, I mean, and the up and down of it as well as some days I'd be fine. Some days I'd be sitting at my desk nodding off because I was so exhausted. Yes. And when I had chronic fatigue syndrome, so I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, couldn't work for nine months. And then I got my first job 
as an ad, admin assistant. Um, and I had, so I had chronic fatigue when I got the job. Yeah. I was working initially 20 hours a week. And then I think within six months I was working full time, but I didn't tell anyone until maybe a year into working there. Um, which was interesting because I think one of the reasons why is because in America, um, in this, I was working for uh, the headquarters of a restaurant chain. Okay. There's that job insecurity. Yes. There's like, I don't know how, it depends on the state in America, but people can literally fire you. <clears throat> and if they don't get a, give a reason, then that's, they can legally fire you. Wow. I don't know if you knew that. It's very interesting. Um, certain certain states, um, uh, certain states, you can't do that. But certain states, as long as you don't give a reason why you're firing the person, you can fire them. There's there's not that job security. So I think there was very much that fear of, um, I don't know, being judged or being seen as weak or incapable. And did you did you have that kind of that like internal fear of being yes because in education it's a lot about the student success are the students learning are their test scores high and so that year I was so preoccupied with like there's something wrong with me that I couldn't really um, teach them the way that I wanted so I didn't have that energy to do all of that so I definitely felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm the worst teacher. They're going to want to like move me to another school. They don't want me to work at the school anymore. So it was, I definitely had those thoughts where I'm just like, I'm not as good as I can be right now. And I didn't know why it was, it was insane. Yeah. And so you were diagnosed with Crohn's. Yes. And what was it like actually when you were like having that conversation with your boss and colleagues like when you were diagnosed and had a little bit more clarity did you have a conversation and was it like how are we gonna I mean accommodate you what was that like so the principal that I had at that time I have a different one now but the one that I had at that time she was very understanding and I think her husband actually had Crohn's as well or he still does okay um, so she kind of knew a little bit of what I was dealing with. Um, so I didn't really have, I didn't have to have too deep of a conversation where I had to like tell her what it was and how it affects me. Mm. So she kind of knew, but I think my Crohn's is a bit worse than her husband's because I would talk about treatments and she would ask me like how doctor's appointments went. And so I would tell her about different medications and she was like oh I haven't heard of that one or I'm not really sure what that is and so um okay. it, I also had to explain kind of like you know this medication is going to do this or I you know I might get these side effects um, but she was very understanding and asked a lot of questions which was really awesome for me because I would be able to give her all the information of why I'm feeling certain ways certain days and why I may have to leave early so it was, it was great that she asked questions and was interested. And so that is, that actually is really good. And that's what I found with my boss as well, is you want someone that's actually like, okay, you know, try, tries to be understanding. Did you at the time kind of know that you were going to need accommodations and were able to communicate that? Or was it just, I'm just letting you know um, that this is what I'm going through or what was that like? 
So at the time, it was just letting her know. I was still trying to figure out the illness itself. I, you know, I hadn't yeah. heard of Crohn's. So I was still trying to figure out, okay, wait, what do I eat? What am I supposed to do? How do I manage this? So my focus was more on that, on managing it myself. Yeah. And I think now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, wait, I need to go to the HR website. I need to see, you know, if I ever am hospitalized, um, what does that mean for me? Do I still get paid and all of that? So um, a couple of months after is when I started kind of looking into that and kind of seeing what the district offers me because yeah at first it's just managing it how do I manage it well and getting to know your rights as well and I think this is something that I didn't do when I had a chronic illness um because I think I was thinking about this today actually um before the podcast like Jamie why didn't you do that I think at the time I was so focused on recovery that I was like I don't want which I don't which I think is good to like have that ambition to recover but also like one not everybody has that too like you do live with it for a certain period of time and with severe symptoms less severe symptoms and what does it look like to live your best the best way you can in in that time and um yeah that didn't (laughs) that didn't happen for me and you know there's so much there's so little awareness around these conditions that it's like I didn't even, that wasn't even on my radar as much. Like, what are my legal rights in this situation? I never looked into that. So I think, I guess the encouragement, I guess, for whoever's listening, this is to make sure you know your rights. And we're going to put some of this stuff in the show notes. But what was that process like for you to get to know your rights as an an employee and, and, I mean, exercise those rights? So I think for me, it was more realizing that, okay, I have a disability. So it was having to come to terms with the fact that like, yes, I am one of those people who's going to have to go to HR and let them know like, hey, I have a disability. And just looking into the pay aspect of it, if I ever am hospitalized, which I haven't yet, but it could very well be a possibility. So I want to know, you know, will I still get paid? Once I get better, do I still have a job? And um, for education, all of that is true. So because I've been working at the district for four years now, they, you know, they have to legally keep my spot. Like I still have a job once I'm well, and I still get paid during that time. So I do have paid medical leave, um, which was really good and really, really good to find out. Um, And you know, it's just, I'm glad for that. Yeah, that's really good. I um, I definitely, I don't think I would have had that at my job because I worked (laughs) in the private sector. And um, so I remember, I didn't, I didn't even look into the legal side of of things. And um, so I guess I think it's important to note that the legal side and your legal rights are going to vary based on where you work, what country you live in, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to give some resources in that regard. Um, But I think the takeaway from that is, and that what's interesting about what you're saying is it's so important to advocate for yourself. And then circling back to what you said initially is I had to realize that I had a disability and that's, that's like the first step is acceptance. Oh gosh. Not, it's not and it's not giving in 
or or saying like I'm gonna just I don't know do you know what I mean I mean it's it's not um this like I'm going to become the victim or I'm going to give up. It's right. acknowledging that something's wrong, that you need help, that you need resources and accommodations. And that's okay. It doesn't make you less than the next person, less capable. And I I kind of think that that's a little bit the takeaway from that is like for our listeners, if you have a chronic illness, if you are early on the journey, late in the journey, educate yourself on your rights educate yourself on um what what you can do as an employee and um i guess i don't like what it, what do you think in terms like what when do you think the right time to tell your employer is i know it's like a big question but what what are your thoughts around that so it's interesting for me because i was diagnosed you know in the middle of being a teacher in the middle of my career. But I think if I would have been diagnosed before, um, I wouldn't have said it during the interview just because I want to be hired for my capabilities and my talent and what I can do. And I think once you secure the job, you've got it. And then I think you let your employer know that you're living with a chronic illness. And it's important that you tell your employer a little bit more about it so they're not too afraid because you know not many people have heard of Crohn's not many people have heard of other chronic illnesses so just giving them you know kind of a little bit about what it is to deal with every day and just a little bit about how it might affect your work which I mean really for me it's just let me leave early when I need to and when I have doctor's appointments Um, and I think most employers are understanding as long as you've got um, everything covered, what you're supposed to do, it's done, they're usually okay with it. Yeah, I think that you make a good point. And it's almost like a three-prong process as well. It's like educate yourself on your rights as an employee, talk to your boss. Um, and in that, talk to them, let them know your condition, educate them on your condition, and then let them know this is what I might need. This is what I need. It's like making making expectations clear. Like, cause you're right. It can be a scary thing. I um, well, I remember when I told my boss, it was it was a year into working there, and the reason I had to say something is because I worked where I worked was the headquarters of a of a chain of sushi restaurants. And I was doing recruitment and they started to want me to get into training and um, working at the restaurant on the floor. And I tried, but I would come home days, I'd be exhausted because I would have been on my feet for two to three hours. It wasn't even that long, but with chronic fatigue and chronic pain, like I couldn't be on my feet. And so I had to sit down with my boss and I say, look, I actually can't be doing this sort of work because I have, like I told him about my condition and this is what I have. And um, at the time, so it was, he was the general manager and then there was the company president and we kind of worked it out how we weren't going to tell the company president because he was probably going to not be accommodating so my the GM was going to kind of like shield me from that which is like a bit awesome 
yeah, it was really nice of him. Um, yeah. And so he, he kind of like was made it so that I didn't have to go work or like made excuses, something, <laughs> which is so good. Cause he was, you know, great about it. Um, but it's kind of one of those things as well. Like I, I, I had to hide it, which is not the best. Like I would, you know, there'd be days where I'd go into work and I had full um, wrist braces halfway up my arm and I was wow. typing and, and I was, it's cause I was in pain in my wrist. Like I had this uh-huh. terrible tendonitis and, but I, but I kind of made an excuse like, oh, I just, my wrist hurt or something like that. And um, once I told my boss, though, I felt a lot more empowered. And I think at the time I didn't really need a lot. It was more, um, I just told him like, look, there's going to be times where I'm going to need to go in the back room and lay on the floor and just for 10 to 15 minutes zone out. Do you ever do that? Yes. I mean, I sit down. So like with teaching, I'm supposed to be walking around, checking students work. And sometimes I'm just in my seat. And usually they say, you know, teachers should not just be in their chair, you need to walk around, you need to monitor the room. And so my principal knew like, hey, if I'm sitting down, my intestines are probably burning up, they hurt a lot. It's not that I'm not watching my students. It's not that I don't care that they're doing their work, but I'm just in pain. So I'm sitting down. Yeah. Um, and that's totally fine. And honestly, like, and okay, so here's my question then about that. Do you feel guilt about that? Yeah. And how do you manage that? I just I know it's getting to- a bit deep, but like, yeah. it's real. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. It is so real, especially because I love my students and that's my passion. Like I want to teach them. And sometimes I'm just too in pain to do that. So I... I just take a couple of breaths and I take a few minutes for myself and I kind of remind myself I need to be well and I need to be healthy in order to help them. So I'm, I can't help others if I'm not helping myself first. And usually the pain passes with between five to 10 minutes. If it persists, then it's probably a day where I have to leave early, but usually the pain will come and go. And I just kind of need a few minutes to, you know, kind of breathe through it and get through it. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel guilty for sure. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hey, it's like this constant um, with a, as a spoonie, like dealing with that feeling of guilt or shame about holding people back or not doing as well as you could be, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, I mean, I didn't necessarily expect the conversation to go in this direction, but I think it's maybe something to explore because it's almost a guilt that kind of permeates everything you do and your work and your personal life and friends. And like, I mean, going further, like, I love that you say you're so right in saying that um, it's, if you are the best version of yourself looking after yourself, then that makes you the best version for other people. And so it's almost like, um, let's make it about it's because when it's about us we don't do what we should be right it's like we just feel guilty but if we're making it about other people like okay if I look after myself then I can be better for this person it's yeah it's almost more motivating you know what I mean it gives you a reason to want to feel good for yourself but also for others yeah yeah so take away 
deep breath <laughs> yeah. and center and say the, like something like, oh, I'll, if I'm the best version of myself, if I look after myself, then that means that I'm better for other people. I love that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I was actually looking at some of the statistics around chronic illness. And like, I don't know if you knew this, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, statistically seven out of 10 Americans have a chronic illness. That's really high. I didn't expect that. It's really high. It's actually crazy. And when we're talking about chronic illness or chronic condition, it's like, it's not just, I mean, it's, it's, it's arthritis, it's um, asthma, it's Crohn's, it's chronic fatigue, anxiety, depression, PTSD, a wide range of conditions, but that's massive. And the statistic in Australia is um, uh, 50% of Australians have a chronic illness. And then worldwide, 30% of adults have multiple chronic conditions. So it's massive, right? And yeah, yeah, it's, it is surprising. And if you think about chronic illness, it affects millions of lives, uh, billions of lives, actually. Yeah, I just feel like for me, it's surprising because we tend to feel so alone sometimes. Like with chronic illness, we think we have to hide it. We feel so alone. So when I hear that there's so many other people are living through this and feeling the same it's just it blows my mind yeah so um it's it's crazy and i was looking at some of the statistics at least in australia and the annual loss in workforce participation from from chronic illness in australia was around 537,000 people in full-time employment and then 47,000 in part-time employment so if you so it's it's interesting because in this in this number, this 537,000, 40% of this loss was associated with arthritis, 25% with depression, and around 10% with asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary, pulmonary disease. So it's like, it's interesting. It's just interesting, these statistics, because 537,000, that's not a small number if you're looking at a population of around 25 million which I don't know how much of that is in the workforce but that's significant yes and I I don't know what the statistic is in the U.S. but one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I'm doing is like this is a massive issue and the encouragement I guess for people listening is is we need to start raising our voices. There's, there are resources out there for people to find, to get help with their chronic illness in the workplace. And we're going to add those to the show notes. But I just hope that in our conversation, we can start the conversation and people can get thinking and listeners, please don't make the mistake I did and not say anything, not advocate for yourself. And I love when we were talking about doing this um, subject or this topic it's you've navigated it so well in the workplace and I love that and is there like what any last piece of advice you want to give before we move on to the next um, segment I think definitely the takeaways advocate for yourself and make sure that you're taking care of you so that you can take care of others I think those two things Um, are super important for sure. Yeah, exactly. And 
again, it's it a lot of times comes back to advocating for yourself and and feeling empowered and giving yourself the permission to do that. And I hope that like this conversation maybe um, helps people kind of start to think along those lines. Yes. And so I wanted to switch gears because we're kind of nearing the end of the of the chat and one of the things that we want to, we like to do is get recommendations from people that come on the podcast of like, what do you like, what, what's your recommendation of the moment? You know, like, you know how we get excited about things and like tell all our friends, yes. books, uh, TV shows, music, podcasts. What do you, what do you recommend for, for the listeners? Okay. So for books, because this summer I was in a book club, which I need to find another one because I love being a part of book clubs. Um, but I read a book called The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which was so, so, so good. Highly recommend it. Um, and what that's is it about? A- so The Vanishing Half is about two twin sisters who can pass as white, but they're actually black. And it's just, they kind of lead separate lives and just kind of see the racial injustice in both of their lives. It's very interesting. Wow. That's really... I'd l- like to read that. It's very interesting for the climate. Yes, as well. for what's going on the political climate for sure. Yeah. Um, I just have one last question, which is kind of not as much related. Did you have anything else you wanted to recommend? Um, so for my nonfiction, because I always read a fiction and a nonfiction. Okay. But I have one another book that I'm reading nonfiction called The Empowered Patient. And that okay. one talk a lot about chronic illness and kind of how to advocate for yourself um, when you go to your doctor's office. And I think it also talks a little bit about in the workplace, I want to say. There might be a chapter or two on that. And it's The Empowered Patient by Elizabeth Cohen. Okay. Yeah. And we'll put um, that information in the show notes as well. And that's awesome. Thanks for the recommendation. Well, thank you so much for coming to chat with me on the podcast. Honestly, conversation was super interesting. And Again, I just wanted to just throw out there that you're a Chronic Hope ambassador and we love that. And thank you so much for being part of the organization. Um, Your attitude, your heart really embodies who we are. And I'm excited kind of for the next phase and the next step of, of the organization and what that looks like. And for those of you listening, I hope this was really helpful. And if you have any questions about anything or comments, shoot us a direct message or an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks again, Erica, for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sound of Hope podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronichope.org, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at chronic underscore hope. See you next week.